This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Hey there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. AJ Scholes is alongside from Madison, Wisconsin, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. I thought I'd give a nod to our home bases today, AJ, in that uh, opening. So uh, how are things at your end, buddy? Uh, we got our first snowfall of the season here in Wisconsin, Yuck. so we're uh, dealing with that today. Um, but uh, hasn't been too bad. Hopefully won't stick, but we could uh, be in line for some more on uh, Halloween here. So it'll be a snowy, uh, snowy uh, trick-or-treating. Oh, man, we haven't seen any of the white stuff here at our end, so I hope it holds <laughs> off. It, it bothers, always bothers me until uh, the middle of November. I don't want to see it, at least until then. Hopefully it hangs on. <laughs> I like to have it, you know, I don't really need it until uh, get it on the ground right around Christmas. I do like to have that white snowy Christmas, and then uh, I do enjoy some cross-country skiing, so it is nice to have in January and February. But beyond that, that's about it for me. Uh, but let's dive right in, Paul. But before we do that, I'll just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your lineup, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us and we'll try and answer those questions for you. As you mentioned, Paul, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. All right, let's do our fantasy run around the league, looking at 31 teams as quickly as we can with some new notes on the rosters and the makeovers happen every week. There's some changes, AJ and that's why we're here to bring it to the fans attention and we'll begin as always with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks who went two and two last week there's a defensive makeover that was necessary because of injuries to Lindholm and Manson on the back end Gouli and Delzato are stepping in I I like the offensive upside of Delzato but maybe I'm thinking of Delzato from two or three years ago because he really hasn't stayed healthy for a while and uh well, if he does now, he's got a chance to produce some points. So he might be a guy of interest. But Gooley's an interesting one, too, AJ, who has a bit of an offensive uh, game to his his repertoire. Up front, Adam Henrique has seven goals and a career-high shots on goal rate of better than two per game. This guy's never been like a 35-goal scorer, and I don't expect him to be now. But I'm uh, taking a look at that shot rate and uh, feel pretty good about the fact that he might be headed to one of the better seasons in his career. 
Well, Paul, you missed the biggest addition to the Anaheim blue line there, and that's the acquisition of Eric Goodbranson from the Penguins. Uh, they got him for uh, Andreas Martinson, who's playing in the minors. Uh, not really going to be a factor for them uh, at any point this year with the youngsters they have up front and then a seventh round pick. So I do think, uh, as you mentioned, the injuries kind of necessitated this move for them uh, on Pittsburgh side. I'll dive into that more later, but uh, kind of a salary cap dump here situation. Good Branson was much maligned uh, in Vancouver, but was a significantly better player uh, in Pittsburgh. We'll see if he can carry that over or if that's part of, you know, systems and, and other things that he picked up uh, in Pittsburgh. But he factors looks to factor in uh, likely in even a top four uh, role potentially here uh, with the new club due to all those injuries. See, I left that for you. It was a layup, man. I know anything related to the Penguins, you're going to cover off. So it was a it was a served 55 mile an hour fastball down the middle. You knocked it out of the park. Way to go, pal! Uh, up next, the Arizona Coyotes. Jordan Osterley has a bit of a head injury that he's dealing with. Nothing like a concussion protocol situation, but he's sidelined. Might come back uh, this week, maybe even tonight. But right now, he's showing up as injured on my end. And Nick Jalmerson is on the IR. That depletes this defense as well. Uh, up front, there's been a concerted effort to. Get give Christian Dvorak uh, top-line minutes at the center position. Uh, in behind him, Nick Schmaltz has been really productive at center in recent weeks. And so, with, along with Derek Steppen, they have some pretty good options in the middle of the ice, AJ. And that's uh, that's good for any offense to drive drive the puck to the opposition net when your centers are all firing. Well, with those guys out, we're going to uh, see Aaron Ness get his first uh, couple of looks here with Arizona. Uh, has one game under his belt. This is a guy that has some puck moving ability uh, that he's at least shown in the minors. Last year, he was with uh, H.L. Hershey as part of the Capitals organization. Five goals, 50 assists. 5-0 uh, in 71 games for them last year. So this is a guy that's capable of moving the puck. They're going to give him a little bit of a look here. Um, I would imagine if he can impress, uh, even in the slightest, this might be the opportunity for him to stick around uh, in previous stops, you know, with the Islanders and the Capitals has 48 uh, NHL games under his belt. Uh, and so uh, one guy that I'm definitely kind of intrigued to see what they do with here. Uh, you know, he played uh, the first game last night uh didn't have a ton of impact just 10 and a half minutes of ice time but really just a recent call up in that sense and so uh i kind of want to see what they do here with him uh maybe a player uh dfs maybe you use him very cheap i'm sure probably going to be bottom of the barrel on on uh, on FanDuel uh, in terms of price and then you know if you're in a stash deep keeper league maybe consider giving him a look uh, if you're in a redraft league that's not very deep obviously this is not the guy for you but there are some other ways you could uh think about utilizing him for different formats in buffalo aj there was a game between them and arizona last night it wasn't so long ago that might have been called the Connor mcdavid bowl i think but uh, both teams are winning and buffalo's winning big uh arizona took the game in a shootout last night but interesting note with the sabers the goalie split here in terms of games played is fairly even olmark has appeared in five games before last night's action and hutton had seven starts so um that uh, that's 
more even than I expected at the beginning of the season. Hutton, though, didn't have a great year last year, and he's in the mid, his mid-30s, too, so they got to see what they have in Ulmark there, and I like the fact that they're playing him as much as they are. Jeff Skinner is off and running with the best shots on goal rate in his career, and he's doing it without playing with Jack Eichel in a left-wing role in the second line here. He's, he's over four shots on goal per game. Got another one last night. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, we thought he was going to be on the outside looking in in terms of the top four of this defense, but uh, because he rankled some people in the uh, in the off season and at training camp this year with his attitude, but he's playing the most minutes of of anybody on this defense, uh, almost twenty six minutes a game. I think what I love uh, about this club is they're they're kind of checking a lot of boxes right now in terms of what you look for in a contending team. Uh, they've got a really good first line that's that's kind of leading the way in Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson. Skinner uh, is giving them a second kind of scoring line as well, along with Marcus Johansson. Uh, they've gotten a, a decent production out of a third. And then they've got blue liners kicking in as well. Darlene has 10 points. Uh, you mentioned Ristolainen. He's got five points as well. And then solid net minding. I, you know, this club came up uh, the other day talking uh, with some people here at the, the headquarters and we were wondering how long can Buffalo really realistically be at the top of the Atlantic division? I mean, you've got teams, Toronto, Tampa, and Boston that are all uh, competitive teams. And it's hard to imagine somebody's going to crack that top three other than those clubs. But uh, as I said, Buffalo really ticking all of the boxes in terms of what you're looking for uh, in, in a, you know, cup contender. I think a wild card spot is certainly in there and maybe, for the first time in a while, they shake up that, the you know, this top three kind of had the lock on the Atlantic division and it might finally come to an end with somebody else kind of stepping in there. Yeah, and Calgary, speaking of shakeups, they've messed around with their uh, top two lines. Now, Monaghan and Gaudreau have been separated. Elias Lindholm gets the center of the ice on the top line with Gaudreau and Matthew Tuchuk rounds out that top unit in this newly configured setup. Alan Quine gets promoted to the left wing on the second line because Lucic is still not delivering the goods, and Andrew Mangiapane has picked up his game in the last little while, but not getting top six minutes at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how Gaudreau and Monaghan do uh, now that they're separated, but I like Kachuk on that first line. He is a guy that will keep everybody honest, and the flies off of Gaudreau, uh, in fact, as well. Um, so, but Lucic, guy, three three assists in in the season so far, playing less than thirteen minutes a game. It's not working out for him over here either, is it? I mean, it hasn't worked out since he left Boston. That that's really kind of been, uh, you know, what how this has kind of transpired. It was supposed to be. You know, L.A. was decent. Uh, I, I should I should give him that. He had 55 points in his one season with the Kings. Uh, and so that was a, a pretty good stop. And really, I think you, the first year in Edmonton was all right as well. But from there, it has really dropped off. Uh, and this was supposed to be uh, that kind of two guys flip situations uh, with him and James Neal. And then they both get back to being where where they want to. And, and that just really isn't uh, happening on this side. The goals or the shots on goal is a bit concerning, too, during, you know, this uh, extended uh, slump here. You know, you look at his last five games, just seven shots on goal. Now, he does have two assists over that stretch. He's getting power play ice time, which I think they have to consider pulling him off of that. If they're not going to get pucks, uh, get shots out of him and at least opportunities to score, I I really think they have to consider moving somebody else uh, onto the power play instead. 
And uh, up next, we talk about the Carolina Hurricanes. This was a team that a lot of people thought would be much improved, and so far the record is 7-3-1. and one. Looks like they are improved based on those, those numbers. Uh, Zvechnikov has five two-point games as a left winger on the top line, but he's been blanked in the other five, so it's kind of feast or famine for him, but uh, those five two-point games look pretty good right now. And in terms of leading the scoring, it's Dougie Hamilton that leads the club from his defense position at 12 points. He's threatening to be in the Norris conversation with those totals and a pretty good all-around game. I, I like the fact that Ryan Zingle is starting to heat up. He started off very slowly. He's got four points in his last six games, and he's pushing again for top six minutes. Uh, Nino Niederreiter holding on to a left-wing spot here, and he needs to continue to play to hold off Zingle in those extra minutes, in my opinion. We talked in previous weeks about this team that really their fortunes in a lot of ways um, are linked to Sebastian Ajo in terms of like leading the attack on this club. Uh, it's what we saw last year over a point per game uh, last season and off to a really bad start um, that we talked about previously. Well, that has flipped now and he's, he seems to have found it again, two goals and three assists in the last five games. Uh, one of those goals shorthanded, uh, one of those assists on the power play. So special teams contributions as well. Unfortunately for them, they can't seem to get both their centers firing at the same time as Jordan Stahl has hit a bit of a slump. Now he ended a six game goal drought over the weekend with a goal against Chicago. Um, but other than that, that's his only point uh, in his last six games. And so it's kind of feast or famine for this club right now either Ajo's doing well or Stahl's doing well and they really need to figure out how to get both guys producing if they're going to keep winning at the rate that they have been the Blackhawks are up next in our analysis they've played only 10 games among the fewest in the league for any team so far one two and one was the record last year in a bit of a busy seven days uh, the goalie split here is one that I want to highlight AJ they've each started five games in Chi-Town, Robin Leonard with a 216 goals against Corey Crawford, who started opening night with 367. It's very clear to me who should be getting more of the net, and I wonder if they're going to give Leonard a bit of a run to see if he can continue with his stellar play so far this season. Up front, Patrick Kane, only nine points in 10 games. This guy was a guy who was a top-five scorer in the league. I expect the point total to climb even higher than that, but there has to be a bit of an alarm beside the fact that Jonathan Taves only has two points for the Hawks so far. At the beginning of the season, we highlighted Drake Kajula as a player of interest. He's been shuffled around a little bit, but he's back on the top line with those two fellas, and he has three goals to show for it in his last five games. So I think he's still a strong DFS play at the moment. In terms of other players on this roster, Dylan Strom has slipped to the bottom six here, but he's making a case to reclaim a second-line center role after a three-point game on Sunday, so we'll keep an eye out for him to see if he can get that spot back. I, I cannot uh, feel any worse for Jonathan Tay's owners out there because you can't cut the guy, right? If you've got him season-long leagues, you, you simply – this is not a player that you can drop. Um, but just two points through ten games, a minus five rating. Uh, so if you're in a format that, that utilizes that as well, the hits just keep on coming right now. And really, uh, you need to get something out of him. One guy that uh, they are getting something out of – is Alex Nylander, who was, uh, you know, Buffalo fans will be familiar with him. They have they clamored for him to get in the lineup forever. It just wasn't happening there. So the move was made to trade him to Chicago. 
five points in his nine games with the Blackhawks and really has slowly seen himself moving up this depth chart. You know, a couple weeks ago, he was fourth line uh, responsibility. Now we see him up on the second getting top six looks. And so, uh, yeah, one player that is kind of trying to fill that gap that uh, that exists right now with Jonathan Taves struggles. Colorado up next to one of the teams that's on fire so far this year. Eight, two and one is their record. Only one and one in a quiet week last week. But a couple of changes still. JT Comfer is replacing the injured Miko Rantanen as the right winger on the top line and doing well right now. Five points in his last five games played. So another sneaky good value play in DFS action. On defense, the young rookie, Kale McCarr, he made his debut in the playoffs last season, but he's kept it up in the regular season. It qualifies as a rookie this year, AJ. Ten points in 11 games played, on fire at the back end. And it's time for me to stop thinking of Eric Johnson as a scoring defenseman. Only one point so far from him this season, and he's more concentrating and uh, on the back end of the ice and just not showing anything up front. One other guy on the back end who we, th- we like, Samuel Girard, is the next best with five points on the back end. He's getting power play time. And this is a guy who I think is capable of a 40-point season on a team that plays fire wagon hockey like the Avs do. I think what's most interesting to me about this team right now uh, is the goaltender usage. I, you know, Coming into the season, it was expected that Grubauer was going to get the lion's share of the starts. Uh, I don't think there's any argument about that. But I'm not sure that we anticipated him being on pace for being a 60-game guy this year. I, at least I didn't uh, project that way, especially for a guy who you look at his last two seasons, uh, you know, splitting in Colorado, backing up the year before that in Washington, 35 games played, 37 games played. I would have expected them to trend more towards a 50-55, kind of ease him in to kind of that full-time workload, but that really hasn't been the case. There's only one game he hasn't started uh, that wasn't part of a back-to-back. Otherwise, he's featured in every single game uh, this year that you would have expected him to for a guy that's going to play upwards of 60 games uh, and really backed by the offense that he has uh is a would have been a great uh pickup at the start of the season i i think i would have you know picked this for maybe a handcuff but at this point if you did go that route i think you can drop frank who's and just go uh uh full out with grubauer at this point i like that call in columbus we thought this team was going to be one of the cellar dwellers in the league but they're five four and two so far one and one in a quiet week last week again josh anderson is a guy who is busy reclaiming the right wing spot on the second line with a late start to his season compared to some of his mates he's got two points and a 17 plus minutes uh, of action in his last three games played oliver bjorkstrand is dropping down with a bad streak of six straight games without a point so he's lost the gig up there Sonny Milano is pushing for top six minutes uh, on left wing with five points in his last six games this guy's kind of a one-way player though it's dangerous to give him a lot of minutes in my opinion Uh, Felino and Nyquist are locked in above him right now so he might be challenged to to unseat one of those guys but we know they've monkeyed around with Felino in the past so it wouldn't surprise me that he loses the gig if if Milano does continue to score I think we're going to see that kind of drop off that we expect. And, and, and in part, I think it's due to injuries. Uh, they've got Alexander Teixeira um, or Texier, who is going to be out two to four weeks uh, due to a knee injury. And then they lost Ryan Murray on the back end to a broken hand that's going to sideline him for three to four weeks. And this is a guy you really have to feel bad for after he missed almost half the season last year due to a back injury. Supposed to be coming back in, having an up year. You know, he put up 29 points in 56 games last year. 
And you have to wonder if he was healthy, uh, if he could have pushed for maybe the 40 mark this season and really kind of cemented himself as a top defenseman uh, in the league in terms of, you know, offensive upside. But unfortunately, another injury kind of sidelining him here. And I, I wonder if this is just going to be too much in terms of challenging the depth, uh, both on the back end and in the forward groups. Uh, and it's obviously having a guy like Ryan Murray out of the lineup is potentially going to expose Corpus Allah, Mirza Lincolns to more shots as well, uh, which isn't certainly going to help them either. Mercer Lincolns, that name rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Dallas Stars, 4-8-1. The record is a very poor one, and it's largely in part to blame on the offense, with, which only has 25 goals in 13 games played so far. That's less than two goals per game. It's, that's soccer country right now. Uh, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, and Alex Radiloff on three different lines right now. They split up the big line to see if they can juice the offense a little bit. To give you a sense of how poor the scoring is, Rupe Hintz leads the team with only seven points, but has only two in his last eight games, so things have really dried up. And on defense, John Klingberg, notably one of the better scoring defensemen in the league, only three points and a minus nine. So uh, the offense is just like uh, dried up like the Sahara Desert here. And you have to be wondering if the, you know, the Sharks are starting to circle with blood in the water in terms of guys uh, that maybe could be uh, looked at from other clubs for trades here. If this thing keeps going south at this point, you have to imagine uh, that they're going to be one of one of the big sellers. Now, I think if you're in that Dallas front office, you're probably saying no to all of that. This isn't a club that you would expect to be sellers, especially after signing Joe Pavelski to that big deal. Um, but, you know, a guy, uh, you know, like Corey Perry is like a quick rental. His contract's up at the end of the year. Matias Janmark is, is a little young for you to really consider him a rental. But he's also fourth on the team in scoring right now, although uh, just with five points there. So uh, I, I think they're probably fielding a lot of calls. I'm not sure they're ready to really answer those yet. And I wouldn't be if I were them. Uh, I would hope that at some point you can kind of turn this thing around. But, yeah, as you pointed out, Paul, uh, this is all on the, you know, the front guys, the big talents. Pavelski only has three points so far in 13 games. Sagan is at six. Uh, ben is at five. And so uh, something's got to change. Maybe it's time for the GM to go on another uh, profanity laced rant in the media and see if he can get these guys going again. In Detroit, the record is slipping 3-8-1. and one. They were 0-3-1 last week, and uh, our pal Jimmy uh, DeVolano called that this was going to be another tough year for the club. And I'll, parenthetically, I'll say we uh, gave him a shout-out a couple of weeks ago for uh, heart surgery, the surgery that he went, underwent, and I've heard that things are going well. So another shout-out to Jimmy. Hope you continue on the mend. We're going to get you back on our show as soon as possible to talk hockey with you, one of the greatest minds in the game. Uh, this bad week was highlighted with a couple more injuries on on the team. Danny DeKaiser and Luke Glendening going on the IR. Glendening was play, pay, playing top six minutes for a lot of the time most recently, so that's a big loss. Franz Nielsen is another veteran guy who's dropped out of the top six. No points in nine games played. Val Filippola moves into that role uh, to to keep the scoring alive on the second unit and he's getting more power play time too so this is a guy i'm going to keep my eye on because uh, whenever they move him up it seems like like he does his bit offensively there i think they've also found their power play quarterback in heronic on the blue line he has three points in his last four games played and he's averaging averaging more than two shots on goal those are kind of floor figures for me in terms of keep seeing who is qualified to lead the pack uh, from the back end and uh, Ronick right now getting a shot to fill those boots in Detroit. 
It's an incredibly top-heavy club, you know, as you as you've kind of alluded to here, Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi both on a point per game pace right now, and that's not what you would expect from a team, uh, you know, that's uh, sitting in the bottom of their division at, at at three eight and one, as you as you said. So really, uh, I blame uh, or put the responsibility here on the the depth guys. You know, you look at somebody like. Justin Abelkader had just three points uh, in 10 games before picking up an injury. Athanasiu, same, three assists in 10 games. A minus 12 rating for for AA there. And really, you know, I've gotten away from really putting a lot of credence on plus minus, except when it's on the extreme swings of one end or the other. I mean, from my standpoint, if a guy's minus two, minus one, it doesn't really matter. But a minus 12 is a huge red flag to me uh, that something bigger is going on. And, and, you know, they need to, to figure something out. They made the move to add a little bit of depth in Brandon Perlini, but that's not going to solve any sort of problems here. Uh, and really, I think this is just another season uh, to maybe try and get a high draft pick at this point, because other than that kind of top line, there just really isn't anybody clicking for them right now. Well, you mentioned a top draft pick. That's what they've had in Edmonton for years and years, AJ, but they might not qualify for a top draft pick if they continue with the 8-3-1 and one mark that they started with. They slipped with to a 1-2 record last week. Up front, Zach Cassian continued to make noise on the top line as the right winger. He's got eight points in 12 games, but uh, he's playing with Dreisaitl and McDavid, man. That's, that's uh, big, big ups to him if he continu- continues that. He's going to be a tremendous value on DFS for a little while, but if he cements the role, the price could go way up in a hurry. There's no other scoring threats behind him on the right wing, so I think this is a long-term situation, and if you can snap Cassian up, you should be doing that right now while we're talking. Oscar Kleffbaum is emerging as a scoring defenseman. Uh, finally, he's got nine points to his record, and he's averaging two and a half shots on goal per game. Those are career-high paces for him, and uh, he, he could be the power play linchpin if he, if he holds on to that role. Uh, role that he's got going here so far. Ethan Bear, another defenseman, may soon have that same profile. The youngster is averaging, averaging two, 22 minutes per game with four points in his last eight outings. He's got a real nice assignment playing alongside Darnell Nurse on the back end. So the defense is taking shape here, and we know the offense is in good hands with the top liners. Well, and, and the goals so far, they've really been doing a pretty even split between Mike Smith and, and Miko Koskinen, but I have to wonder if that's going to change after the uh, pretty disastrous outing that Smith had uh, over the weekend here. Three goals allowed on 13 shots before getting the hook, uh, and so I, I have to wonder if it's time for them to, to finally make the flip here. You know, uh, Koskinen signed that deal like days before their GM got fired and and. Because of that, I think unfairly was a bit uh, maligned to start the season. But you're looking at a guy that's undefeated right now. Um, you know, he came in in relief, and so he didn't get a win. So he's 5-0-0 in six appearances uh, this season. Uh, and I think really, uh, unless the goalie split is really working for him and, and he needs that added time off, uh, for my money, I think it's time to flip the script here and just see what you have. Let Koskinen roll as the number one. Um, if it starts to go south, you have Smith as a veteran backup who can, you know, spell a few games and maybe try uh, and and turn things back into an even split. But at, for for my money at this point, I think it's got to be done in terms of the divided uh, work, you know, workload here. 
In Florida, the record is 5-2-4. and four. They had a 2-0-1 oh, mark last week before last night's game. They got blown out in Vancouver. Uh, they, the story here for me is the credible secondary scoring. We've not talked about secondary scoring in Florida in glowing terms for years on our program. Uh, but this year, look at Connolly with nine points, Malgan with eight, Hoffman with eight. That's pretty good totals this far into the season for those three guys. We know the top liners are scoring at a point-per-game pace, so that's great news up front. On the back end, Mackenzie Weger is their top man, top man in terms of scoring with eight points. And uh, hands up, everybody. Who saw that coming? It certainly wasn't me. <laughs> they've, got, uh, they've got Ekblad and they've got uh, Yandel back there, who are the more, more notorious names. But Weger's a guy that becomes a player of interest right now. Uh, in other news there, Brian Boyle is uh, a second-line center. That's a bit of a miscast situation for him. He's never been a top-six guy before. But uh, Trocek's out with a lower body injury, so uh, Boyle's in there, and he's got two points in his last three games played. I guess you can ride the hot hand if he continues it. Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine Boyle will get bumped uh, back down to a, to a third-line center role, which I think is a great fit for him. I I was pretty intrigued by that signing, and, and so far it appears to have worked out pretty well for them. Uh, and so I, I think it's been a, a good thing, especially losing Trocek, because I, I think Boyle can fill in temporarily. Is he the guy I want to be my second-line center for a full 82-game season? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but they'll get Trocek back hopefully sooner rather than later this you know, we haven't had a lot of details in, in terms of the injury and what we're looking at for timeline. Um, it is a, a lower body injury. He's missed four games now. Um, so it, it's a bit concerning in that sense, but they haven't labeled him week to week. They haven't ruled him out long term at any point. So it could just be a day to day issue that's kind of lingering a little bit longer than they were hoping. Um, but they'll get him back. I, I would hope sooner rather than later, and, and he should pick up right where he left off, six points in eight games uh, before going down with that injury. The Los Angeles Kings are going down just like we thought they would, AJ. Four and eight is the record, one and three last week. A couple of interesting notes, though. Sean Walker comes from nowhere to emerge as a second-line scoring player with six points in his last 12 games so he might be a youngster that they start to build around uh, in the coming years uh, one of the veterans that's really lagging behind is Jeff Carter only two goals but I look at the shots on goal rate of he's got 43 so far so I just think the law large number is going to kick in and sooner or later he's going to return to his usual scoring rate which is about 12 to 14 percent right now it's less than five Blake Lizotte is another youngster. He's getting second-line minutes at center between Carter and Toffoli. That's a pretty good landing spot for a youngster to play between two veterans, even though Carter's not scoring like he might. When he turns around, Lizotte's there uh, to kind of pick up some points on the assist uh, column, I'm sure. They've also called up Nikolai Prokorkin. This guy could be an interesting ad, AJ. He's a third-line center right now. He had 41 points in 41 games with the KHL last season, and that's a pretty impressive total because there's not too many guys that were at a point per game in that league well paul i have to give you credit on that one because there's not a lot of times where you throw out a name there and i have to uh stop and and think about who (laughs) who you're talking about it's usually me that scrapes the barrel of the you know the ahl ranks uh and some of the the foreign players there uh one point i want to talk about that we mentioned last week they had kind of been given a little bit of extra work to Jack Campbell uh, in in kind of splitting him with Jonathan Quick right out of the gate here. Uh, Campbell struggled a little bit uh, in some outings, and so Quick took four games in a row, uh, seemed to have cemented himself. Campbell gets a look uh, over the weekend, gives up five goals, 
on 26 shots. That's certainly not the kind of performance that's going to earn him more minutes. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I was not ready to bail on Jonathan Quick and, and that I would hold on to him a little bit longer. Uh, his numbers certainly haven't been great, um, but I think he's, you know, the, the Campbell struggles that you're at least going to get quick in uh, on most nights. And I expect he'll, you know, pull a 50, 55 game workload here uh, this season. And, and so you can steal a couple wins here or there, um, but you do have to be prepared for a couple bad outings as well, just because there's nobody in front of him, really. Uh, and so he could play phenomenal and still give up two, three goals uh, on a night uh, just due to the lack of, of team around him right now. And in Minnesota, there's a lack of a team here, in my opinion. You touched on that comment. I'll ride with it. Bruce Boudreaux must be pulling his nose hairs out because he hasn't got any on the top <laughs> here, top of his head. He was 2-1 and one last week, though. The record 4-7 and seven overall. This is a very low-scoring team, but there's no uh, shortage of options offensively on the back end, it seems. Brad Hunt is a new name in the mix here. He came over from Vegas last season, and he's the team leader with six points so far from the back end. That speaks very poorly for, to the likes of Stahl and Koivu, who are veterans who have led the offense here, but they've combined for 11 points in 11 games played. That's not enough from the 1-2 centers on any team, AJ. And I also want to keep an eye on Devin Dubnik. This guy's been a workhorse for them in the Nets, but he suffered an upper body injury, and he, that Nick uh, will, might keep him out for a game or two, and they just can't afford to keep him out of the lineup because he's kept them in as many games as he could uh, for years, and uh, now with the lack of offense they really need some help on the back end uh, in the nets particularly yeah it sounds like what they're going to do is you know they're going to give Stalock the game uh tonight uh just to give you know a little bit of extra time off there uh and then dubnik potentially will take tomorrow's game uh on the back-to-back so it, it sounds like things are going to be uh you know getting better here uh pretty soon and Stalock's numbers haven't been terrible uh, to start the season. He's played in six games, two, uh, two, two, and uh, and and uh, one to to start the season here. One point nine eight goals against average, so pretty decent numbers. What you would want out of out of the backup, and and maybe that's enough to to uh, you know give them the opportunity to not ride Devin Dubnik uh, to 65, you know, 67 games as he has uh, pretty consistently. You know, he is 33 years, uh, 33 years old. So potentially getting to the point where maybe he'd be better suited to only play 55, uh, 58 games and kind of keep him fresher. Although it's not like they need to save him for the postseason at this point uh, with how this team's fortunes seem to be heading. In Montreal, the story for me is the second line, a newly configured second line. We expect Max, Max Domi to continue his scoring exploits from last year, but Yoel Armia and Jonathan Drouet are very pleasant surprises there. Armia particularly was more of a bottom six type, but he's fighting the net with regularity and protecting the smaller wing forwards on his unit. And uh, Drouet uh, scored a couple of very nice goals against the Maple Leafs on Saturday night with some uh, great moves on breakaways. Uh, his offense has been there better than it has been uh, in terms of a scoring rate in the last couple of seasons. It remains to be seen if he can continue that, but partnered with Domi, I like his chances. One guy that's disappointed me here is Jesperi Kotkaniemi with uh, one assist in his last eight games. He's locked in as the third-line center. They 
need they expected more from this guy he was a top round draft pick right now only playing 11 minutes per game in the last two outings another youngster though who's impressing of late is nick suzuki three goals in his last four games and he's now pushing for top six time and uh, boy his scoring exploits as a junior certainly reflected that profile would be uh, coming i didn't expect it to happen so fast Well, even when Armia was with Winnipeg, you know, he was kind of a sneaky play in the sense that they'd have him lined up in third line, fourth line uh, at even strength, but they'd still use him on the power play. And that's kind of carried over uh, to to Montreal here. Now he is getting uh, second line minutes right now, but uh, at the start of the season wasn't. But three of his six goals have come with the man advantage. Another one came shorthanded as well. So that's four out of six goals scored on special teams. And that's really what this guy thrives and excels at. Uh, And so I think uh, just really a sneaky good play here in terms of, of, you know, all kind of fantasy formats He's just not going to have the high price tag uh, in daily contests. And then season long uh, will still fly under the radar. And I think it's because he's just, you know, seems more like a plugger type player uh when you look at his game and and where he gets lined up five on five um but then shows up in in these special team moments in nashville the record is seven three and one they had a perfect three and oh last week uh despite the fact that philip forsberg and matt duchene are out of the lineup with minor injuries the offense continues to tick and bop it's helped by the fact that Kyle Turris is trying to pick up the slack with five points in his last seven games. He's been mired in a third-line role longer than I think he should be. There's an offensive upside to his game that we just haven't seen on a regular basis. Maybe this opportunity is uh, sparking him a little bit. Callie Yarncroft is another guy who was kind of underwhelming at times in the past, but he's got eight points in his last eight games played, and he's getting top-line minutes on the left flank in place of Forsberg. So that's a, a good news situation. If Forsberg come back, comes back, I wonder if Yarncroft can continue the scoring rate and stay in a top six role. In terms of the net minding, Pekka Rinne's wound back the clock and he's looked great with a goals against average south of two per game. And that's probably the best news of all in Nashville that their uh, team leader year after year is uh, really finding his groove in the, in the twine. Well, what you're seeing on the back end right now is Roman Yossi adding zeros to his uh, projected uh, contract next year with every point that he gets. Currently leads the team with five goals and eight assists, uh, 13 in 11 games, plus six of those points coming on the power play. And that's just going to make him that much more expensive for this club uh, in the the offseason here. All indications from from what I heard, it's not looking like they're going to try and extend him during the season. Uh, They might wait until afterwards. It seems like a a risky move, but they will have at least, you know, if the season, if they make it uh, into June, that'll still leave them with a month after the season would end to potentially work something out before he really hits free agency. Um, And obviously the biggest thing this club needs uh, in terms of improvement is just to get Philip Forsberg. Uh, back healthy in the lineup they've managed to play fine without him so far but obviously a player of his caliber you want back sooner rather than later and then a team that is lagging in terms of games played they're only two four and two uh that can't be right aj there's more than good than that isn't there on their schedule in any case uh, the team scoring is an issue here with only 22 goals scored uh to date mackenzie blackwood 
past Corey Schneider in terms of the goalie mix. It certainly looks that way, but neither one of them has been stellar. It's just maybe Schneider's off to a, such a terrible start. Anything Blackwood is doing is looking more impressive. And in, in terms of an indicator of some of the team leaders who are sla- lagging, Nico Heischer only two assists, Wayne Simmons one assist, and Subban only four points and a minus one in the nine games that he's suited up for. Yeah, Paul. I mean, you're not you're not totally off to five and two. Right. Uh, they've only played nine games. Uh, that is uh, tied for the lowest in the league right now with with the New York Rangers. So I don't know if they're just saving uh, all those games for at the end of the year. But uh, yeah, it, it does seem a little bit low. Obviously, you know, the, the biggest concern I have is got to be Taylor Hall here. You know, nine games, one goal uh, at this point really you know you expect bigger things he's got 36 shots over that stretch uh that's that's a little low maybe for for a shooter of his caliber um but you know it works out to almost three a game uh a little bit over three games so that's fine almost four actually uh and so i i don't mind that um but you have to start getting pucks in the net at some point and i think this is carried over into low point totals uh, for the rest of the team as well, when you have a guy like Hall struggling to lead the way, Palmieri's numbers aren't great. Jack Hughes, as, as you mentioned. Uh, and so really, uh, I think it starts and stops with getting Taylor Hall uh, back on track in terms of goal production. The New York Islanders, the hottest team in the league, AJ. Seven-game winning streak that vaults their record to 8-3 and three overall. They were 3-0 and last week. A lot of zeros on the right side of the column there for them so far. Derek Brassard is a guy who is, uh, I know you've had some looks at him when he was with Pittsburgh. He has goals in three straight games and making a case now as a right winger on the second line. He's bounced around from center to right wing throughout the last few years. Wonder if he finds a home here. If, if he continues that scoring pace, he certainly will. On the back end, uh, John Johnny Boychuk is lighting the lamp. Five points in his last seven games played. It's been a long time since we've talked a bit about him as an offensive contributor. But he's paired again with longtime partner Nick Letty, who also is looking better than he has in the last couple of years. He's got five points and a plus five rating, which is uh, diametrically opposed to what he had a couple of years ago when he was one of the worst minus minus records in hockey and uh, leading the pack Matthew Barzell on fire with eight points in seven games played after a slow start look this guy's a dynamic talent AJ and now we're starting to see really what he's capable of and if you have a chance to to scoop him up anywhere you've got to get him into your lineups because he's really playing well well I do have to raise a few red flags here for me uh, in terms of depth guys that that are out of the lineup here and, and it's really going to stretch his team a little bit Leo Kamarov has been out for a while Matt Martin is going to miss some time now Tom Kunakle Jordan Eberle is still out Andrew Ladd hasn't returned yet and yes you know you still have the that big line Barzal and Bailey Derek Broussard has been a, a, a quality addition for them so far to start the season. He's got a goal in three straight games, so he seems to have rediscovered uh, his scoring touch that really hasn't been on display since he was in Ottawa. Some might even argue before that when he was with the Rangers. Um, but, yeah, I, I have concerns that the depth is going to start to get stretched here, and that's going to make them rely even more on, on that top six uh, and, and could raise some difficult matchups for them. Against uh, uh, a lot of teams, I don't think it'll matter, but there'll definitely be some clubs that are coming up on their schedule uh, that you will want uh, and need more depth, and, and it could be what causes them to see this, uh, this winning streak come to a close. 
In New York, Henrik Lundqvist was nicked up with a lower body injury. It doesn't appear to be too serious, but don't fret because if you've got the handcuff, Georgiev, you're looking good here. He should get a little more time going forward. I think he deserves a little bit more playing time based on what he's done in the last year. And uh, it's a heavy workload for an old, the older guy in the Nets, even though Lundqvist has been okay so far. In other news, uh, Mika Zibanejad, uh, one of the regular contributors on offense, dealing with a minor head injury, not considered serious, so he may not miss a lot of time. Uh, Ryan Strom is the only other credible, credible option at center, though, so keep an eye on his minutes played. Uh, in terms of the youngster on this team that who is underperforming, that's Kako. Kako. He's limited uh, to uh, playing time uh, for a while here, but in the last two games, he's been back up to 17 minutes per game. Only two points and in nine games played overall, and a minus 12. That's kind of alarming, and that's really why they kind of pulled the reins back on him. But the playing time certainly indicates that he's here to stay, and uh, I expect the offense to follow shortly. Pavel Buknevich is leading the club with six points in his last six games played, and a guy who has a lot of skill to, and could hang on to a top six role if he continues at this rate for sure. They are really trying to bolster uh, Capo Caco and, and try and give him opportunities. Their last uh, game against Boston, yes, a minus four, uh, but he spent f- over four minutes on the ice on the power play uh, and only generated two shots, which is a concern, but they're certainly going to keep giving him opportunities. This isn't a situation where you're going to see them suddenly uh, rein him back or, or do you know something strange. He's your second overall pick. He's going to play top six minutes. Maybe at an extreme, you would consider dropping him down to a third uh, just to try and simplify the game for him and potentially get him lined up with some better matchups on the ice. You know, playing top uh, six minutes, you you go up against a lot of times some of the best opposition that the other team has to offer. If they put him in a third line role, it's potentially that they get a little bit of better matchup and maybe that can kind of jumpstart things for him. Uh, if I'm a season-long owner, I, I have certainly concerns and, and maybe looking at what my options are. I don't know if there's going to be a better one. Um, obviously, if you're in a dynasty format, stay pat. This is just a bump in the road uh, in terms of long-term uh, results. In Ottawa, look, at I called this at the beginning of the season, and Connor Brown, I'm so happy for this guy. He's got 10 points in 11 games played, finally getting a chance to play top six minutes on a regular basis. If you had 20... 20 Connor Brown's on your roster, you'd make the playoffs every year, I'm convinced. Uh, <laughs> in terms of other bumps and bruises on this roster, Artem Anisimov and Colin White will both miss the next few weeks with injury. That's going to de- deplete a very thin offense, but it's going to give an opportunity to Logan Brown to play big minutes. He's been called up for the minors and gets the top-line role. He's got a point in the three games he's played so far. Anthony Duclair is another guy who is in rehab mode in terms of his career trajectory, playing right-wing minutes on the top line. He's hot right now with three goals, one assist in his last three games played, but it's a there's a bold move that rookie coach pulled off, uh, D.H. Smith pulled off last DJ Smith, rather, pulled off last week with banishing Bobby Ryan from the active roster as a healthy scratch for the time being. There's a lot of money that goes to the sideline. Money that goes to the sideline with this guy. He has two years beyond this one at a 7.25 million dollar cap hit, and the coach is saying you're not playing good enough to be on the top four lines on this team. So have a seat, pal. Yeah, that is a, a definitely a roster kind of shake-up move that will grab the attention of the entire room. Um, but obviously, the the biggest you know point here is to to get Bobby Ryan going as well. Um, I, I think 
there, there's some intriguing guys here on this team, uh, that can, that can produce in, in certain ways. And, and you highlighted, uh, Logan and Connor Brown, uh, Brady to Chuck is another name that I think, uh, needs to kind of get going here a little bit. Now he's coming off a three point game, uh, that was, a you know, really might be the catalyst of, of him, you know, getting something going, but that's on the back of a six game point in the streak and eight game goal drought, uh, leading up into that that weekend contest with San Jose, and so hopefully, uh, if you're a fantasy owner of his or, or an Ottawa fan, that's what's going to get him moving in the right direction the rest of the season. You want more out of him. Six points in eleven games certainly isn't enough for, or I guess I should phrase it this way: three points in ten games before uh, that most recent one isn't going to really be showing you enough, uh, uh, you know, in terms of production here. The Philadelphia Flyers treading water with a 5-4-1 mark. They were 2-1 last week. Travis Konechny leads this offense with 13 points in 10 games played, and he's not even playing top-line minutes. He's just doing very well with the time that he's got and scoring on the power play when given the opportunity. Kevin Hayes is a guy who was not off to a similar start, but he's picked things up in the last few games, six points in his last three outings. He's now anchoring a good scoring third line with Raffle and Joel Farabee, who made his NHL debut last week. But Hayes is uh, ticketed for top six minutes down the road, I think, if he continues this trajectory. Um, in the infirmary, Nolan Patrick has yet to play this season due to a head injury. You haven't re-upped that bet with our friend Daniel Legrano, have you, AJ? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, he's in a non-contact sweater at the, uh, the practices, but it's a big first step in his climb toward playing time. And uh, he was a former top pick in the draft a couple of years ago. So you'd like to see this guy's career get back on track and see what he can do on the ice. I'm pulling for him. Well, talking about getting back, <coughs> excuse me, back on track, look no further than Carter Hart. Uh, you know, he had been taking the lion's share of the workload. They gave, he struggled a little bit. So they give Brian uh, Elliott a few games. Hart takes the second game of a back-to-back, gives up five goals on 14 shots in just 28 minutes of action before getting the hook. So Elliott has to go in uh, in relief in the second game of back-to-back. That's not a good situation for anybody. Uh, you know, this this might be the one situation where, uh, you know, I, I think at this point Elliott's probably your starter. Um and so, yes, you. I normally am always calling for the backup to just stay in and get shelled to give your starter a night off. But this is a development player that's supposed to be your long-term answer uh, in the crease. So this is maybe the one time that I would say an exception to that rule. Um, and I don't know what the answer is here in order to get him going. Uh, obviously, the few days off did not work. Uh, and so I don't know if you have to ride him out on, on his struggles right now. I don't think they can move him to the minors. I, I'm not familiar enough with where his situation is in, in contract in terms of that. Um, I don't know if they can find a loophole in, in terms of a conditioning assignment to get him down there or what. But they definitely need to find answers here uh, in terms of, of what they want to do with Carter Hart the rest of this season. In Pittsburgh, the record seven five and zero. Oh, that's decent. They were one and two last week. That's not decent. Alex Galchenyuk looks ready to come back in the lineup as a second line left wing. You probably have more to say about that, AJ. Bugstad returned on Saturday, playing second line center minutes. He generated five shots on goal. That's a great indicator for him. Don McSimon warming to the right wing role on the top line. He's got six points in nine games played. A strong DFS value play there, in my opinion. 
Matt Murray's been solid in goal, AJ, with a sparkling 233 goals against average. That is a career low, as you well know. Yeah, I think what's interesting about, you know, you mentioned the the one and two uh, record last week, all road contests. They, they lost against Florida and, and Tampa on the road and then got the win over Dallas. And Coach Mike Sullivan, after uh, the Dallas game, said the only period he didn't like in that entire uh, run of games was the second period uh, in Dallas. And they bounced back from that to score three uh, in the third period and, and win the game. I think there's a lot of positive signs despite the two losses there. They were relatively close games until uh, some empty netters at the end. Uh, and I think really this is a team that if you said, hey, you're going to be 7-5-0, and even healthy uh, after October, you probably would have taken that. But with the number of injuries they dealt with, uh, it, it really is indicative of the type of hockey that they're playing right now, which is exactly where Mike Sullivan wants them to be. Obviously, uh, you know, getting Galchenyuk back will be huge. Brian Dumoulin's been out a few games. He's projecting uh, to be a game time call and potentially play tonight as well. So that's two uh, guys that would really infuse a lot. The biggest news, obviously, being uh, Evgeny Malkin telling reporters he is optimistic to play on Saturday wow. uh, versus Edmonton. That seems like a really fast, quick recovery, um, but we'll see how that how that goes. That might be a little bit too soon. Maybe the organization reins him in and, and keeps him out for one more. Um, but uh, all things pointing up for Pittsburgh at this point. In St. Louis, uh, the news is not so good, beginning with a big injury update. Vladimir Tarasenko out with a shoulder injury. He's going to be reevaluated in five months. That's not a good sign for the Blues offense. The tank has been grounded there. And you've got to look for the likes of David Perron to pick up the slack. He will get top more top six minutes, and he's hot right now with seven points in his last five games. Rob Thomas, another guy who will uh, soak up some of those right-wing minutes that Tarasenko leaves behind. Zach Sanford is getting more minutes as left winger on the second line with two points in his last three games. They're looking for more offense on the port side, and he's getting a shot right now. On the back end, Falk was brought in to be a scoring defenseman, AJ, but he's struggling to fit in here. So far, only four assists to his record this season. That's got to change because there's just too much talent in him to, to be that low in the production totem pole here. Look, uh, far be it for me to rule the Blues out of anything after what they accomplished last year. Um, but the Vladimir Tarasenko injury just seems like it might just be too much for this team to overcome in terms of trying to repeat uh, as, you know, cup uh, cup holders here. This is their kind of main guy, uh, you know, that they're they're losing here. And obviously you highlighted a few guys who will get more minutes. Perron really has been fantastic this year, uh, which has been great for them. Ryan O'Reilly is at a point per game pace. Braden Shen is ahead of that as well. Um, but to lose, you know, really your kind of your focal point of your number one power play unit and one of your best players, if not your absolute best player, uh, is maybe a little bit too much to handle for this team uh, in terms of repeating. Now, that doesn't mean the season's done and over with. I think there's still a quality playoff team and once you get in uh anything's up for grabs at that point they have solid net minding behind them as well um, but i'm just not certain that long term uh this isn't going to derail their their hopes of a, a second stanley cup well talk about a team that's been derailed in the early early going that's the san jose sharks four seven and one is the record overall last week it was one two and one 
But I have to give a uh, tip of the hat to Logan Couture for uh, calling out his teammates on an incident last, an on-ice incident. I don't know if you caught it, AJ, but they lost a game in overtime when two of their forwards were out there trying to get a score, uh, lagging around the offensive end, trying to hang out for a scoring opportunity that never came. And they were late for a line change and uh, the goal was scored at the other end instead. And Couture called him out for being very selfish. And he did it in a very public forum, which some people would criticize. But I like the fact that he is trying to get some accountability going for this roster, which is dotted with a lot of veteran guys who have underperformed so far. You look at Eric Carlson, for instance. He may have eight points, but an ugly minus 11 highlights the defensive woes here. This is a team that's allowed 43 goals against in 12 games played. That's a big problem that they got to rectify if they hope to have any success this year. A couple of youngsters that are doing okay are Dylan Gambrell. He's getting a look as a third-line center with Thornton moving to the left wing on that line, so he's got a good insulator there with Jumbo Joe. Kevin LeBanc is thriving on the right wing on the top line with seven points in his last six games. Could be a player to watch because I'm sure he was below most radars at draft time. I'm also concerned about the the production of Evander Kane. Now I say that and people, uh, our listeners might be rolling their eyes for a minute. He's got seven goals in nine games. Well, six of those has come on the power play. And that raises, I won't call it a red flag. Let's call it a yellow flag for me uh, here. That is so reliant on power play numbers to produce uh, is a concern for me. You want guys who can kind of produce in both aspects of the game. Now, granted, those power play goals are, are worth more in, in almost every format here. So fantasy owners probably not that worried about it. But for me, it's it's telling in the sense of, you know, if they're not, if, you know, if a power play, if they don't get a power play in a game or they only get one and that's the only way that he knows how to score right now, is a big concern. I mean, look at his last three games. He has goals in two of them. The one game he didn't score, he only got 53 seconds of power play time. Uh, and so if those penalties aren't coming, uh, it, it could result in, in an extended slump for Vander Kane, and, and that is a big concern. Well, and in Tampa, the offense is a bit of a concern. Who, who would have thought that, AJ? This <laughs> team is only 5-3-2. Is only and two. That's not good for them. They were 1-0-1 last week. Team goals against is another issue here. Over, still over three point three point zero per game. That's troubling. Uh, Vasilevsky, you thought and I thought were was in a class by himself. Well, he's got a lot of company in the class that he's keeping right now, and it's not good. The top two lines here have been reconfigured to see if they could ignite the offense. Tyler Johnson now playing with Stamkos and Matthew Joseph, a supply, surprise addition on the right wing. Nikita Kucherov and Brayden Pointer playing with Andre Palat right now. The loser in this configuration is Yanni Gourd, who drops down to third line minutes on Anthony Sorelli's unit in more of a checking line role. Uh, Shattenkirk on the back end continues a career rehab that is going well, paired with Victor Hedman. He has seven points banked already. You wonder if he can keep it, keep it up. I'm not going to bet on him right now. I need to see more. I, I definitely need to see more out of, out of Joseph, who, who you mentioned here. You look at those numbers, just one uh, goal, his only point in his last eight games. How does that happen when you're playing on a line with Steven Stamkos? Like, I just don't understand how uh, a player can be that, uh, you know, incapable of falling into a point. I feel like you or I could go out there <laughs> and at least just throw the puck somewhere in Stamkos direction and pick up like a secondary assist or, or something. It, it's, 
a little bit uh, uh, strange, honestly, that his point production is that low um, playing on, on that line. And Tyler Johnson on the other end is, is by no means a slouch either. Either one of those guys can put up points for you. So how a secondary assist isn't coming. And I think they need to look at making a change there. You know, uh, if they want to spread out the scoring and not put Nikita Kucherov on, on the top line, that's fine. But maybe consider Andre Palat, Yanni Gord, Alex Killorn, uh, and give somebody else a look because it's just not working for Joseph right now. And uh, things are working about a 50% rate for Toronto. Their record is 6-5-2, and 1-2 and two last week. Boy, when Freddie Anderson doesn't play for this team, they simply have no shot to win. And that's a bit of a reflection on Michael Hutchison in the Nets. He's 0-3-1 so far. Uh, Freddie Anderson, for his part, has only lost one game in regulation in the, the number of starts that he has this year. So, and the good news, bad news situation continues when you look at the rest of the roster. Ilya Mikhaev, a great surprise with 10 points already uh, among the forward ranks and making a strong case to play top six minutes here and be a contender for the rookie of the year. That's how good he's been. But Jake Muzzin has been stride for stride with him in terms of surprise contributors. He's got nine points on defense playing a solid two-way game, except for a blip on the radar against Montreal on the weekend that I highlighted with one of the breakaway goals against. And uh, Tyson Berry is another guy who has been more suspect on the blue line. He's all but disappeared offensively in the last week and a half. Uh, in terms of good news on the horizon, Travis Dermott returns tonight to make his season debut, and that's going to help straighten out the defensive woes, I hope, because he's a guy that has the ability to play top four, four minutes here, and they've certainly missed that. And Zach Hyman for, for another, is another guy who is soon to return on the horizon up front, so uh, the infirmary is getting a little uh, emptier, and John Tavares is uh, shooting pucks, so he won't be uh, away for a while. And I'm looking forward to seeing what this team looks like when they got all hands on deck. I mean, you are not kidding about the backup struggles here in Toronto. Uh, you look at Hutchinson's numbers. The only game in which he did not give up four or more goals is October 10th when he was only on the ice for 13 minutes and only faced five shots. He didn't have enough time to give up four or more <laughs> goals. Um, it, it really has been very, very poor. And I think they need to consider uh, looking at their, you know, their minor league options here and to, to call somebody up. Uh, to serve as the backup and yes you're going to play Freddie Anderson more often than not but back-to-backs are the nature of the game you know they've had two in a row so Hutchinson had to play Um, it's just there's no way around it in fact if you look at their schedule it's kind of an anomaly I'm surprised you didn't uh, I didn't hear some complaining about this from you Paul out of their last seven games that Toronto has played three uh, there have been three back-to-backs in there, so uh, really a pretty heavy schedule for them, which means Hutchinson has to play. You know, their other options aren't phenomenal. Um, you've got uh, Joseph Wool as, as potentially an option, uh, Ian Scott, and then Casimir Cas- uh, Uh I probably botched that, Paul. I'll let you correct me there, but uh, I think one of those guys they can't do worse. Let's put it that way. When Hutchinson is giving up four or more goals every time he goes out, your backups from the AHL can't be any worse than that. Yeah, the name is Kaski Suo, uh, just for our listeners out there. But the other youngsters you mentioned, they're more hopes for the future. If the Leafs are going to make a change in net, I suspect they got to go hunting for an unsigned free, an available free agent, and that would be for another league minimum. Uh, the hope was at the beginning of the season that Michael Neuwirth would fill that role, but he wasn't 
healthy enough to carry it off. So they're going with Hutchinson, and he's a solid citizen, a guy who's played about 100 games in the league. So he's been the backup before elsewhere and had a degree of success. It's just not happening right right now for him in Toronto. In Vancouver, they were they are seven three and one now after a shellacking that they laid on the visitors last night to their game uh, in, from Florida. Jake Furtanen started the season in the doghouse here, but uh, goals in his last two games are propelling him into a top six role at right wing, and that's good news for him and the team because he was a highly regarded prospect that they drafted high in uh, recent years. Uh, Tanner Pearson is getting a look at uh, left wing on the second line. His shots on goal rate is up almost three per game and should yield more. Uh, that should yield more than two goals and two assists, but uh, I like what I see out of him of late. I'm also watching out for Josh Levo. He picked up another goal last night. He has five now in his last nine games while playing third line minutes with uh, a shot on goal rate that's better than two per game. So there's some uh, some reason for optimism here in Vancouver. And they even used Thatcher Demko with some degree of success last night, providing some decent backup goaltending to, J- to the starter there who is thriving. And so the goaltending situation is in good hands with Markstrom and Demko at the moment. Well, what's not in good hands is, is the cap here on this team. You look at their cap hit, uh, their most expensive player, or at least tied for most expensive player, is Louis Erickson, who played last night, picked up an assist. That's great. That's after nine games as a healthy scratch. Um, this is not a situation that's working out for them right now in, in terms of him. Uh, they have got they are on the hook for that $6 million hit for two more seasons after this year. It might be time uh, to consider moving him. I don't know that they're going to get anybody to take that cap hit. Now, fortunately for them, they've got a, a number of young players on on kind of low lower deals, so maybe uh, they can retain some of that salary uh, to do that. But really, to have your top uh, you know cost guy sitting uh, up in the press box for nine of eleven games is really not a good situation. Maybe the assist last night is what kind of gets him going and works him into a lineup. But even in the two games he's played, he's only logged uh, just over 13 minutes in each of those contests. So he's certainly not playing uh, a significant role even when he is in the lineup. In Vegas, the story is a familiar one. They, this is a deep team offensively. The top two lines are rolling. The only guy that's maybe not scoring up to potential is Jonathan Marchesol. And if anybody in your league is dropping this guy, I suspect you uh, you got to be considering snapping him up because that rate of seven points in 13 games played is way below what he's done in the last couple of years. And it's only a matter of time before he continues uh, the trend to be a, a solid contributor here just as he, ha- as he has in the past injuries to Derek England and Nate Schmidt on the back end and uh, with Theodore pointless in seven leave the defensive depth as the only question for me AJ because in behind them Marc-Andre Fleury is having another great start to his season well I'll say one thing about about Willie Carlson here and you know or or March assault any any of the guys actually tonight uh, I think if you're dropping them, you're insane. Um, <laughs> but you wouldn't be, I wouldn't begrudge you in a weekly set lineup to maybe consider benching those guys in favor of somebody else because they only played two games this week. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing uh, that you need to be aware of in, in those uh, week long formats. 
yes, are you going to get a player into the lineup maybe of the same caliber as William Carlson, who's got goals in two, uh, his last two games, has 11 points through 13 games this season? Probably not. Uh, you're probably putting him in for, for somebody else. But if you can get somebody else who's going to play four games this week into the lineup instead of two, then maybe those extra nights, extra games makes up for the the production kind of disparity there. So just one thing that I wanted to point out, I actually made this decision uh, in my NFHC league, my Rotowire uh, online championship league uh, this week. I decided to bench Carlson in favor of, uh, I believe I put Kevin LeBanc in, who the Sharks are playing four games this week. Uh, and so I just, it's a numbers game at that point. Uh, I think there's enough opportunities for LeBanc to get points um that'll that'll make up that gap yeah you know what a that hell of a point by you aj in terms of the fantasy formats that are out there know the rules in your league and know the structure and you make a great point why put a guy in for two games when you got a comparable guy or maybe even a slightly lesser guy playing four games there's every chance that the guy playing four games is more, way more productive than the guy playing two because of the range of stats that are included in the nfhc uh, pools that we're in there's a lot of categories not just goals assists but hits and block shots and uh, you get in the way of a couple of them that could be a good night for a player too in uh, Washington, the Caps are rolling right now. The most potent offense in the league actually comes to tra- town in Toronto. I'll be there to watch what I think is going to be a shootout. I suggest you bet the over on that one because it's the top two offenses going head-to-head. Uh, we talk of the shuffling of players on the top two lines, but uh, below uh, that, those groups in Washington... Uh, Eller is having a great year as a third-line center in Washington, a real luxury for them to have a third-line center in Lars Eller, who has 10 points in 13 games played, a sneaky good value in DFS play. Garnet Hathaway is another guy who's contributing offensively on that third line with seven points in his last 11 games. So if you're looking at a Washington stack, these guys could be a couple of cheap options to fit in with some of the big boys. And uh, there's none bigger right now than John Carlson, who looks like Bobby Orr, uh, AJ, 21 points with... (laughs) in 13 games played to lead this offense from the back end and the best power play quarterback in hockey right now these caps are really rolling you talk stacks paul and and it's hard to argue against using carlson um but in those daily contests he carries that that big cap hit or uh that uh, big salary rather michael kempney does not and he's got five points in five games including putting up two goals uh in his most recent outing so might be a way to save a little bit of money there uh, and get somebody a little bit cheaper into the lineup and kind of help you uh, use maybe a higher end stack. Maybe that opens the door for you being able to use, uh, you know, both Ovechkin uh, and Backstrom, you know, with TJ Oshie as well by using Kempney instead of Carlson. So really, um, it's it's hard to argue against using Carlson. Absolutely. He's off to a phenomenal start to the year. Uh, at this point, seems like he's going to run away with the Norris Trophy at the end of the year. But uh, that price tag is only going to get bigger the, the more he contributes. And if you can sneak Michael Kempney in uh, instead, it, it might be an option worth looking at. And in Winnipeg, you've got to consider your options when you look at the comparison between Patrick Line and Nikolai Ehlers, both around the 20 minutes per game. And Liney seemed to really thrive on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler. But it should be pointed out that Liney is a right-handed shot, and he's been getting most of his looks on that unit on the left side. So playing on his off wing, they've switched it up and moved him to the right wing on the second line, while Ehlers, a lefty shot, is getting more time with Shifley and Wheeler of late in that left wing line on the top unit. 
left-wing slot on the top unit. Jack Roslovic is a guy that you and I both have been high on in the past. He's been really slow out of the gate, only four points to date and pointless in his last five games. You have to think with his offensive skills that that's got to change sooner or later. Vili Hainola made a very good early impression, but he has slid down the depth, D depth chart with a few DNPs mixed in with a third pairing role, so hopefully you didn't overrate him because you might be uh, dealing with a guy who doesn't make the lineup here uh, of late. Well, it's interesting that he didn't play their most recent game when his uh, games played is currently sitting at eight. Uh, that gives them the option to move him without burning uh, a year of that uh, entry level deal. They can get the slide going if he doesn't play in 10. So they have one more. Uh, and they also have a, a decision to make, even if they don't want to keep him around. Do they move him down to AHL uh, Manitoba to keep him as an option to be called up in the future if, if something happens? Or do they let him go back uh, back home uh, to his native Finland and, and play there for another year? But that eliminates the ability for them to pull him back, um, you know, it, at least not and not nearly as easily. I mean, Manitoba plays in the same arena, I believe, uh, as the Jets. So he really would just have to change locker rooms if they needed him. So they have some interesting decisions on him uh, left here. What I'm watching tonight uh, in terms of, of DFS options here is Patrick Line going to play. It sounds like it's a pretty minor issue. There, the team didn't seem too concerned about it, but it could be enough to rule him out. If he doesn't, Roslavic uh, makes the jump most likely to playing with Little and Kyle Connor, and I think that shoots his fantasy value up uh, or whoever they put in there. I'd like to see it be Roslavic, but it could be Matthew Perot as well. Uh, could be an option there for them. And AJ, I know you like to play the DFS. I love it too. And FanDuel does a great job of uh, setting us up in that regard. And now that we're a month into the season, we're going to start incorporating a DFS segment into our program. So people that have been fans of our show for a long time might be wondering why that staple has been missing. We wanted to give it some time to breathe this year and get some form charts going. And we'll be in a position to give you our best DFS picks going forward. So I know uh, you uh, like to play the DFS thing. What are the formats that you prefer best, if I can ask you? Yeah, so I've actually been playing uh, a lot of the the multipliers lately. Um, Kind of insider tip here for for our listeners. Now, of course, I'm going to say this and everybody's going to do it and it won't be an insider tip anymore. But (laughs) um, for some of their smaller slates, so you've got like looking at tonight, there's a ton of games. So you've got the main slate uh, that's 7 p.m. Eastern, but then you have the 730 Express and the 8 p.m. late night and even the 830 after hours. For those smaller slates lately, I've been able to get into uh, their multiplier contests, which haven't been filling all the way, but they're guaranteed run contests. So for example, the $2 double up there uh, is 113 entries. That's 50 uh, double your money there. But those have been filling in around the 80 uh, to 90 mark. And so you're getting in uh, with less people that you have to beat up. I uh, beat out rather. Um, I got into one that only 64 people uh, entered. So uh, you only had to, you know, do better than 14 other people in order to double your money. So that's kind of my sneaky play that I've been doing lately. Uh, the other nice thing that FanDuel and the NHL have kind of partnered on is there have been daily uh, free contests that you can enter. So if you 
don't want to, you know, if you just want to try it out and don't want to really put any money on the line there, they have these free contests running almost every night. I actually uh, finished pretty well in one the other day and won $9 off a free entry. Uh, So hard to beat free money, right? Um, So obviously the competition is fierce in those. They don't pay out a ton of spots, but when it's free, who cares? Might as well uh, take your shot. Exactly, AJ, and I'm so glad I asked that question. You've well said. And that wraps up this episode of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Our next episode takes place a week from today on Tuesdays every week. Uh, look for that to drop on our Twitter accounts and follow us. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to PuckCast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. 